to the Infertile Mafia. Where today it's all about the old hot dog warmer, Sarah. We <laughs> oh, yes. The vagina. The vagina. We actually kind of lied to our listeners at the end of the last episode because we told them that we'd be talking about common infertility diagnoses for women, but that's not exactly true because we decided to back that up and talk about some of the female diagnostic testing that you go through because that's kind of a big part of the early part of uh, seeing a doctor. So we wanted to get into that first. So we're going to talk about all that stuff you do uh, when you see the, the RE for the first time. We're going to get into more te- detail with that. So, uh, but we do have two pieces of business, just quick ones. And the first one, we got an email from someone correcting me, us, whatever, <laughs> about, and I, I knew this, I when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. And it was about ball surgery to extract sperm and I think we were talking about we weren't sure if there was surgery you could do if you have a productive issue, like if you have tr- trouble producing mm-hmm. sperm. And I'm still not sure about that. But there's definitely multiple surgeries. And I'm not going to get into all of them right now. But there's no, I think that they can get the immature sperm out. Right. Right. I right. don't know. Anyway, and, is that what this email is about? <laughs> well, and. Right. She was just correcting me like, hey, yes, there are ways that they can extract sperm from the balls. And then we had... And then did she say, you idiot? Yeah, she's like, you guys know nothing, which <laughs> is sometimes true. And then, I sometimes make things up, but it sounds like it's true. So, so you just never that's know. That's your challenge out there. Everyone is a fact checker in the Infertile Mafia. You just need to figure out which of these, uh, which of the stuff we just make up and call us on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we have someone in our Facebook group that is doing this right now. Or she, her husband had to have surgery to expre- extract sperm. So she knows oh. all there is to know about it. Um, that's not who sent this email, though. So, but we have two very reliable sources now that know what they're talking about when it comes to ball surgery. So if anyone has any questions about ball surgery, send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. Okay. And the other piece of business is about the rabbit test. (laughs) Okay. So a few episodes ago, Sarah brought up the rabbit test and I was like, what the hell is she talking about? I had no idea. But it turns out I'm the one that is not cultured and <laughs> yeah I'm sure most people knew what you were talking about because it's a thing but yeah I mean it's from the fifth wait it started in the 30s and went up until what 50s or 60s yeah so I I went and read about it because I got really interested in it the old rabbit test and I think it was as early as the 20s when they realized oh, okay. if you inject the let's just say what it is real quick because we never really talked about it in that episode so i think i cut it out because i was i was looking on wikipedia and it was like there was a lot of blank spaces so i just cut all of the actual information we went into a long tangent about tests on rabbits but in a nutshell they would inject the pregnant pee no, <laughs> they would inject the pee of supposedly pregnant women, right, correct me if I'm wrong, into the rabbit. And back in the 20s, yeah. when they first started doing this, they the rabbit always died because they had to dissect the thing to look at its ovaries. But it worked back then. Like they... Like 99%. Right. Something happened was, to the rabbit's ovaries and they're like, yes, she's pregnant. They grew larger. Correct. Yeah. They... Yeah, exactly. So obviously that was incredibly inhumane and terrible. And then then it just became like an urban legend or myth or something like the rabbit is dead, meaning she's pregnant, even though they. Yeah, it was like a saying. Was a saying. Yeah. Did the rabbit die? The rabbit always right. dies. <laughs> but yes. But then later on. Yes, I'm pregnant. Exactly. In the 50s, they could test the rabbit without actually killing it. So they got a little better right. with their testing. And now we don't use rabbits. 
Oh, they could test the rabbit with ultrasound? They could test or? the rabbit with ultrasound. So it never died. So Ooh. it went from always dying to never dying. But the saying is still the same. So if you want to save on pregnancy tests, get yourself a get rabbit. Get yourself a rabbit <laughs> and an ultrasound machine. Right. And then you can just inject it, you know, every month. With your pee. See if it's ovaries got. Yeah, and see if your ovaries got bigger. Yeah, if you want to save totally money. <laughs> humane. <laughs> yeah, this is the easy way to do things. Don't buy those Von Wafo tests on Amazon. No, don't get those. Get a rabbit and the ultrasound machine. <laughs> Actually, I have a clear blue digital test left that I should send to someone who's going to be doing. I have some other things left over, but I don't know if I can talk about it on the podcast because, you know, giving people drugs is illegal. Ooh. So we won't talk about that, but read between the lines. I'm not saying, like, I wouldn't sell my old IVF no. drugs. I would just give them to someone because someone sent, wait, I don't know if I can <laughs> talk about this on the podcast. Oh, no. Let's just say that um, people are very generous mm -hmm. in the infertility community. And sometimes people will give other people their leftover IVF meds. IVF cops are coming after you. It's really like your doctor can give you old IVF meds from other people. But yes, legally, I don't think you can sell it. It's not like it's a controlled substance. No, no. But you can't legally sell it. Not like it. you can get high <laughs> on. Yeah. Ovaries get high. But. Maybe uh, yeah. maybe included in our sock giveaway will be some other uh, fun stuff. <laughs> Dependent. Just tell us where you are and, you know, what you need. <laughs> yeah. I might send you a pregnancy test. And in order to get in on that giveaway, what do you got to do, Sarah? <laughs> you need to rate the podcast and write a review. And... Uh, do they need to be subscribed on Instagram? Oh, no, no, well, no. you need to be yeah. subscribed to the just, podcast, right. of course. But just to subscribe to the podcast rating review, and you might—you'll definitely we'll get a three. Find you. We'll find you. And you'll get a three pack of pineapple socks and maybe more. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Uh, okay. Anyway, let's talk about some female diagnostic tests that you will get from your RE. Um, so, I mean, go ahead. Should we go in order of what test you usually will get first? Yeah, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll read these more basic ones. And okay. then I have, I wanted to go into a little bit more detail about the tracking and what that means and what it looks like. And then I'll let you talk about the, the tests that come, you know, after. after. Yeah, exactly. Well, tracking is the first right, right, test, right, right? Right, Okay, so, so go on. Yeah, so the first thing that's going to happen, the very first thing, is if you haven't had a pap smear lately, that's going to happen first. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it's not yeah, that bad. It's like everything really. else. Um, did you, um, when you did IVF, did they do like some sort of like scratch test of your cervix uh, with like a scratchy brush before? Oh, a scratchy no? brush? Yeah. No. To, yeah, that's what my doctor did. And then they could just check the pap smear box. Oh, okay. Oh, so she did it at the same time. Oh, yeah. okay. So she's very efficient. I like that doctor. Well, he it's oh, a man, but... He's very efficient. That's right. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, so pap, pap smear. smear. Love it. And... I mentioned the postcoital test, so I'm not going to talk about that one again because I talked about it in the last episode uh, about male factor infertility. That might also be another easy one that they do off the top. And then in the fact finding visit or fact finding month that we referred to when we talked about visiting the RE, they you're most likely going to have blood work all throughout your cycle, and and that's going to go in conjunction with. Uh, and ultrasound okay so i wanted to get into a little bit what it is that they're tracking um 
Oh, and I forgot to mention mention genetic testing too. I put that one on the list uh, of things that they'll test for off the top. Okay, sorry. Maybe. Maybe. They don't all do genetic testing. You're right. And always ask for the price of the genetic test. <laughs> yes. Yes. We Because it can be... Yeah. We've talked right. about and this. And it's often... Got a $4,000 right. bill. It's often not <laughs> covered. But this is my personal opinion. I would do... I would take the time and money to do the genetic testing. But we talked about that. No, yeah. That's, I, I would have done it, but I would have liked to know that a $4,000 bill is yeah, coming. That's good to know. Because we don't all just have money trees in our backyard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So tracking for the month... The fact-finding month, okay? Your menstrual cycle, it occurs in three phases, right? Follicular, ovulatory, and luteal, okay? First half of the cycle is your follicular flight. Follicular phase. (laughs) (laughs) The second half of the cycle is the luteal phase. Midway through the cycle, ovulation, right? Okay? So we all know this, most of us. Um, but and the four hormones that they're looking for four main hormones throughout this process. Okay, the first one, your follicle stimulating hormone. That's your FSH. It starts rising at the end of your menstrual cycle and it peaks before ovulation. And that's the hormone that stimulates your ovaries to grow eggs into mature follicles. Okay, so that's when you take follicle stimulating drugs like Menopure and Folistim, they're giving those ovaries a major, major boost. But you have them, they exist naturally already in your system. Okay, that's number one. Is that the one that comes from uh, Old Lady Old Lady P, yep. That's FSH. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Cause they, because you have more FSH if you have less eggs. Because mm-hmm. your body's like... Give all the eggs, the FSH, and get them out. Right. It gets higher in menopausal women. Yes. Yep. Anyway, That's, sorry. No, it's cool. It's either. good. Good to know. Good fun fact to know that you're injecting yourself with old lady pee. Number two, yep. estradiol. <laughs> There's three types of estrogen. For our purposes, we're focusing on estradiol. That's the estrogen you make when you're in your fertile age. Um, estradiol is what makes you uniquely female. So think boobs and hips and all of your girly things. And in the case of getting pregnant, estradiol is secreted every month by this growing follicle that your FSH stimulated. Okay, so you start growing this follicle, estrogen starts pumping out the, you know, estrogen, whatever. <laughs> Number three, your LH. This is your luteinizing hormone. It, it rises as you approach ovulation, then it peaks and eventually falls. So when you take OPKs at home, that's what they're detecting is your LH surge. It's detectable in your urine. Um, just little PSA, abnormally high LH is often seen in women with PCOS. So when they're testing you through your blood work, if you have abnormally high LH, it could be a sign of PCOS. Um, and it peaks multiple times. Right. It, with, in PCOS. Sometimes. With women with... With PCOS. Right. That's why OPKs are very confusing. Sometimes for people with PCOS. Right. Depends on, you know, your situation. But. That's why OPKs are confusing and why some of the fertility trackers we've talked about are confusing. Like Ava and you know, like those. I'm not going to get into that again, but... There's a new one I saw and I sent it to I, you on Instagram. I saw that. But... It's it's a uh, basal body temperature, mm-hmm. basically. Wh- which would it. be better for someone with PCOS. Because then you know that you... Yeah. It might be because you know that yeah. you actually yeah. ovulated. It's not just like measuring yes. a peak. It's measuring when it actually... I mean, it's not going to help like maybe determine the fertile window. But it helps... Well, a lot of the times you don't even ovulate with PCOS. Right. You just get close to it. and It's like it's almost... Like, oh. Uh, edgy uh, and then psych (laughs) anyway super frustrating pcos you suck okay and then the (laughs) last one is progesterone right um and that is responsible for pms ladies your mood swings your swollen boobs the fact that you hate your life for like a day and a half thank your progesterone for that but it's also incredibly important for your endometrial lining if you are in fact pregnant Okay, 
So to get that triple thick lining. That's right. You want it extra squishy. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. That's not gross. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't know why I made that noise. So the first day of your cycle is the first day of your period. That's when your FSH kicks in. It starts rising, triggers your ovaries to grow a follicle. As the follicle grows, it releases estrogen. Estrogen rises. Uh, that rising estrogen cues your LH. Once that LH peaks, your follicle ruptures, releases an egg that hopefully hooks up with the sperm in your fallopian tubes. And then finally, the corpus luteum, where your egg once was, now starts producing progesterone, which cues growth stimulation of all those blood vessels to your uterus, makes your uterine lining extra sticky and squishy. Okay. Now, if you... If you don't have an embryo moving down the fallopian tubes, you don't have an embryo that implants, that's when estrogen and progesterone tank and that cues your period and the cycle starts over. So your cycle is like, think of it like a party when you're in high school, right? I never went to any parties (laughs) in high school. I know. I really didn't either. Actually, I did go to one party and... I felt weird and I called my dad and had him come pick me up because people were smoking weed. (laughs) I was a good kid. Um, Okay, but most of us kind of have an idea of what a, you know, high school party. I've seen movies (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) Right. Okay, so FSH, we'll call call her uh, Fosse. Laura. Laura. Okay, (laughs) sure. Okay. Oh, in this analogy, you're the egg. Okay, you're the egg. Me? Yeah, you the listener, you're the egg, and the follicle is the party, okay? So think high school party, okay? okay? So your friend Laura, you said that's your follicle-stimulating hormone. She kind of breaks the rules. She knows your parents aren't home, so she encourages you to throw this party, okay? So you're like, fine, but I'm not doing all the work. So you call your friend estrogen, right? We'll call her Esther, okay? So you decide to throw this party, okay? (laughs) and then esther is like that's my cue esther loves a good party she's your super chatty friend that's like really good with social media and she gets the word out about this party so she's chatting the party is getting bigger the party is growing your party is like rocking and rolling and then your bestie shows up fashionably late as you do we'll call her uh uh Lauren Hansen. <laughs> okay. LH Lauren Hansen joins the party and she tells you that the super hot guy you sit next to in physics lab that you're afraid to talk to is right outside. Okay. This is of course the sperm. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Remember you're the egg. And now you're all like, okay, it's time for shit to go down. Let's do this. And that's when the party blows up. So the party is so good. Now it is spilling out into the yard and down the street, a.k.a. your fallopian tubes. So so you can finally talk to your hot lab partner because you've had like five beers. So you're feeling really good. But wait, we're not done. One more guest at the party shows up. Progesterone, right? Progesterone is your annoying little brother that you most of the time want to rip his face off, but every once in a while he comes through for you in a big way, okay? So, excuse me. So if you and hot guy from physics class hit it off and start making out, aka sperm fertilizes the egg, you feel so good that you tell little bro he can have as much beer as he wants, so he is all about the party now, okay? So the party just keeps going. It keeps bigger and bigger. Someone else brings another keg. It's like 3 a.m. where it's happening. It's like party of the century. And you say, I'm going to bed. You can come if you want. <laughs> and your partner's like, all right. <laughs> You've got the party of the century now, but... If hot physics guy like disses you for the head cheerleader or whatever, whatever happens, if you don't hook up, sperm never makes it to the egg, in other words. Now you're just pissed off and you tell little bro to like F off. It's not cool that he's even there. And so what does he do? He calls your parents, maybe the cops, and then everyone scrams, Uh-oh. right? They're like, got a GTFO. They get the hell out of there. All the hormones drop it like it's hot. Party is over. Here comes your period again. 
And that is your cycle in a high school party nutshell. Or, or you get pregnant. Oh, yeah. If you get pregnant, that's when the party keeps going. And that's how Leah from uh, Teen Mom 2 got pregnant. Oh, at a party? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what happened. This is... And she had twins. Oh, what do they call that when real life mimics art or something? <laughs> I think it's just art mimicking. I don't know. <laughs> I don't we know. We don't know what we're talking about. Okay. Stranger than fiction. Yeah. But that is a, like, another way to look at it that's, I don't know. I thought it was... I liked your analogy. <laughs> that was nice. I shouldn't have given the first girl the name Lauren. I, or I called her Fossey. Fossey. F-S-H. Yeah. yeah. No, Sorry. it's all good. I shouldn't have interrupted you. <laughs> I interrupt you all the time. It's okay. <laughs> so that's what they're testing, right? In that... Well, really, the whole time you're seeing an RE, they're testing all of these hormones and what they're doing during your cycle, because at each stage, they should all be in a certain, they should all be doing something at your party. Like, they all play a role. And we're not going to, like, read ranges because every clinic's different, but they, that's what they're testing for. And they do, you know, I'm really rooting for that egg. <laughs> You know, to get yeah. laid. We want the egg to get laid. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and everyone's standing. Whoa, whoa. Everyone's standing outside the door. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. And then they will call her a slut on Monday. <laughs> and that's why you shouldn't have sex in high yeah. school. Because everyone will find that's out. That's one of the reasons you shouldn't have sex in high school. Plus, I feel like having a kid in high school would suck. Yeah, sort of takes the fun out of things. <laughs> but anyway. And I i mean, I have to full disclosure, there was a hot guy in my physics class um, that I thought about in this analogy. <laughs> like, who would I have wanted to hook up with at a party? Definitely my physics did lab you ever, partner. Did you ever hook up with no. him? No. Way too shy. He was one of the, like, popular kids, and I was not. Remember, I was a choir nerd. Oh. So, too bad for me. <laughs> We're Facebook friends. He's got a beautiful oh. wife and two kids, and he's he happens to be a doctor. Maybe he's listening to this podcast. So, Russell. he was actually taking <laughs> physics for, like, a reason. <laughs> Russell, if you're out there... Now you know my true feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so it's too, it's late, too late now. now. Yeah, we've both moved on. Um, so the, all that testing is going to happen in conjunction with your transvaginal ultrasounds, right? So you usually go in for a blood test and you have an ultrasound. So mm -hmm. that's where Wanda comes in and she's there, oh, yes. which it really... It looks like a curling iron with a condom on it. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I read... With a knob. Yeah, I was I was reading about transvaginal ultrasounds, and this one website was describing it, and it said something like, uh, the wand is slightly larger than a tampon. I'm like, slightly? Mm. Uh, it's quite a bit larger than a tampon. Thank you very much. <laughs> It's definitely longer. It's definitely longer. Uh, oh, I have a would you rather that has to do with Wanda. Ooh, let's hear it. Okay, so hilariously infertile from Instagram. She has a picture of Wanda, and then she has a picture of Ryan Reynolds and <laughs> Liam Hemsworth. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Did you? And it says, who does this Wong belong to? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds or Liam Hemsworth? Who would you uh, say? Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Same. Yeah. And then the other one was Kit Harrington and or Shimar Moore. I I don't really watch either one I of don't, them, so I don't, I don't know who those people are, but they look handsome. Uh, they do. <laughs> I don't know which one. I don't watch either one of them, so I'm not particularly biased either no. way. I wonder if her point, though, is to like, 
is she wanting you to imagine one of these people when uh when well i i just wonder if he's the one like with the wand oh or it's it's his penis. i think it's his penis <laughs> yeah oh oh here's one i don't know who one of these guys is but he has a shirt <laughs> good start uh uh chris hemsworth or cristiano nope <laughs> renardo he looks like a soccer player mm. also a good start i I'd go with the yeah, soccer go with player. The soccer player. Soccer players have. Oh, I have a random story for you okay. that has to do with infertility and soccer players. <laughs> go for it. Okay, so our first round of IVF was at KU Med, and it was in the same building of a sports therapist, like a sports doctor, and it was the doctor that the sporting KC team sees. So I had egg retrieval and I was I was in a wheelchair in the elevator with Peter and the nurse and some other guy, some really tall guy. I didn't know who it was. And we get out and the nurse is like, that's blah, 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 like some really big soccer player mm. on the sporting KC team. And Paula, my friend, knew exactly who it was. So because that's I was in. An elevator with some famous soccer player after getting my eggs removed. That's, that's when you want to meet hot men is right after an egg retrieval. <laughs> yeah, when you're all yeah. loopy. And, like, I don't know who this is. Let me see if I can find his name. <laughs> okay, while you do that, I'm just going to finish up talking about Wanda. So, Sounds Wanda good. is there just to physically check the growth of your follicles, right? And the ovaries, and growth of your endometrial lining. So it's another measurement and they compare the measurements they get from Wanda to your blood work and see how it's all working together. Um, yeah, so it's usually very quick and painless most of the time, albeit. And you don't have to old, hold your pee, which I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's easier my first, to see things. Well, my first ultrasound, I show up like bladder full of urine <laughs> and I was like okay let's do this and she's like oh you can pee mm. like for an internal ultrasound you do not need to hold your urine so if you didn't know now you do and the soccer player is Graham Zuzi never heard of him but he sounds hot he's, he's good looking <laughs> I I mean, I don't watch soccer, Me so neither. I'm like, yeah, but he just looked like a normal guy in the elevator right. <laughs> to me. Uh, my there he is. Oh, if oh, wanna... oh, yeah, he's he's nice looking. I like the long hair. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> my <laughs> story about Wanda ironically the very very first ultrasound i ever had they they could not find my left ovary and weird the technician she's like digging around you know how they like move it from side to side that's not exactly comfortable but you got me going side right. <laughs> and she looks at me and this is my second visit to the re granted and she looks at me oh. and she was like have you ever had your left ovary removed? And I was like, what? No. <laughs> and she couldn't find it. Like the whole appointment couldn't find it. So I left there wondering if I had a left ovary. <laughs> and then my HSG was right after that. And Ooh. I even went after going through the whole HSG and the hell that that is, I hopped up and I was like, do I have two ovaries? And they're like, we can't tell by this test. We don't know. I mean, they can only see your fallopian <laughs> tubes and your uterus. They can't see your ovaries with it. But so I had to wait till the next time I went and had an ultrasound. And then it was, Aww. I mean, it was there. Obviously, I've got two. But the very, and it's the only time anyone ever had any trouble finding it was the very first one I ever had. So that's strange. If they can't find it. I was hiding. It was being very shy. And then it was like, I had a pep talk with it and it got with the program. <laughs> so, 
So, uh, speaking of the HSG, that is the the last diagnostic test I'm going to talk about, and then Sarah's going to move on to some of the more involved ones. But I'm going to talk about the HSG because 99.99% of people have this test done, except for Sarah. She's going to explain why she didn't have to in a minute. But I put on... Instagram and in Facebook, I put posts asking people to describe it in three words or less, the HSG. (laughs) So I'm going to read a couple. Um, Mine was hurt like hell. (laughs) Another one, kill me now. Another one, felt like labor. Worse than laparoscopy. Uncomfortable cramping. Someone just wrote, sucks. (laughs) You did say three words or less. And someone just wrote sucks. Like, and that kind of sums it up. Sure. Uh, Someone said freaking cool. Strangest thing ever. Take a flexorol, which I looked up. That's a muscle relaxant. And then someone wrote not that bad. And then our girl Sarah wrote never had one. (laughs) 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 Why didn't you have to have an HSG? Okay, well, this goes into these other tests. Oh, wait, then don't go don't go there yet, though. Okay, expl- uh, okay. then explain that in a second, because I just want to talk about it briefly, what it is. Okay. okay. So, it's an x-ray, so it's different than an ultrasound. It's an x-ray, and it's done in your early cycle, follicular cycle, and it's used to determine any abnormalities in the shape of your uterus, so looking for, like, fibroids or cysts or septates, things like that. And it's to ensure that your fallopian tubes are open with no blockages. So the way the procedure works, speculum, balloon to open up the cervix, clean the cervix, catheter, dye, and it goes in, contrast dye, and then they take a photo. And I read somewhere that they if they only use like three t- teaspoons or less dye, which... In my mind, like, made me feel better. Like, I can get my head around three teaspoons of something, but when you're going, like, you feel like they're dumping a gallon or something in there because it just feels like, you know, it's not comfortable. Um, And then I just put that it's, it's uncomfortable and painful because the uterus doesn't like a foreign object in it, right? So the minute if you flood it with this foreign object it's doing its best to get it out hence the cramping it starts cramping and um, I think it may also depend on the rate at which the dye is being dispersed and like it seems like the faster it goes the uterus there's more cramping but on the other hand the slower it goes the longer the test takes you know but And it's supposedly more painful if your tubes are, in fact, blocked. And that's why you get this Mm -hmm. range of experiences people have with it, because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of factors involved. Uh, But for most people, it is uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable. Um, But one good thing about it is it supposedly increases your chances of conceiving for a few months following the procedure, because it kind of like clears out debris just hanging out in the fallopian tubes if they're not blocked so sort of like highway felons come and picking up the trash on the side of the road (laughs) that's chsg (laughs) okay so tell us why you didn't have to highway felons around here you adopt a highway Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and so businesses like we have a highway like a portion of the highway that we clean up oh so it could just be so it, ju- it doesn't have to be felons on your fallopian tube highway. Yeah, it it just be. could be regular people. I've I've cleaned up trash on the highway before. Good for you, Sarah. You find some weird stuff. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to give tips for your HSG or should I go through the more in-depth test first? I think um I yeah, we'll do your test first and then talk about tips because really it's like most of these tests that you're going to get into, I would have the same tips for the HSG. True. So the only other thing, so the HSG is how I found YouTube. 
I don't know about you. Oh, really? Yeah, but I looked up because I I didn't know anything about it. It stands for hysterosalpingogram in case anyone wants to know. And I looked it up on YouTube and there's so many videos about the HSG. And I bet yours is like number okay, one. Okay, well, no, I took it down. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Because I'll, I'll tell you right. It it was my number one viewed video and it had like I don't know, a bunch. And it was attracting so many trolls. And Aww. I I think partly because I'll be honest, when I made that video, I was like hopped up on Valium. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my tips. Pre-medicate yourself. And I just sound kind of loopy and slightly incoherent. <laughs> um, but I couldn't keep up with all the trolls. And I didn't want someone who was scared going there and reading what other like these other people were saying. So normally I'm not no. like... Normally I just like delete them. But I just wasn't I just couldn't keep up with it I was having that much like negative you know how once it starts snowballing and like you get a popular video and then it gets anyway and so I just decided to remove that one because there's plenty of other HSG videos out there that are great much better than mine was so um and that don't attract weirdos so I took it down but anyway well, I'm sorry. No, about it's that. all good. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I just didn't want someone like newly going through this and like nervous about it to go and read what some of these mean people wrote because you just don't need that kind of negativity. Were they guys? No, it was. was it a lot no, of it was guys? mostly women. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Well, just bitches. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah, non-infertile women. Um, I don't. I don't know. It was mostly like women saying, oh, she's being so dramatic, like she's trying to scare people, stuff like that. Oh. And it was probably women that maybe they had the test, maybe they didn't. I don't know. <laughs> but they, uh, I don't know. They probably, if they did have the test, they had a different experience than me because I was honest. Mm-hmm. It hurt. Like, it hurt. It hurts for some people, and I was just honest. Like, yeah. this was my experience. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm also not going to sugarcoat it and, you know, tell you it was like a bed of roses because it wasn't. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Well, I'll go on and describe the other yeah. tests you may get. If uh, these non-invasive type tests, the more non-invasive type tests show something that needs to be uh, looked into more, you might have a laparoscopy, which is where they go in through a couple holes in usually your stomach, like one in your belly button. And then depending on where they're looking, they'll put the other holes like in your side or in both sides. Um, I've had this one and this is why I did not have the HSG. They could already tell that my tubes were blocked. So They went in, removed a bunch of scar tissue, removed my tubes, got everything back to where it should be, like my ovaries. And um, then they sew up the holes, like those holes they put their instruments in so they don't have to cut you open. So they- Right, well they cut you a little bit. They have a little tiny incision just for yeah, Yeah. In in the little holes. Mm -hmm. And then they, they do what they need to do. They will, before they do what they're going to do in there, they shoot air in there mm. so they can, you know, get around. That sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, it's almost like making a tent is what it makes me think of. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is uncomfortable afterwards because it will go to your shoulder. Ooh. Which is kind of weird. But laying down helped me get the air out and kind of lifting my pelvis up so it would come out of my shoulder area but yeah so the laparoscopy they will just look for stuff um that the laparoscopy video i made is probably my most popular Mm -hmm. video on my channel it's another pretty common one right 
I couldn't find very many oh, really? videos. Seems on like it. I know a yeah, lot of so women like, that have had laparoscopies. Yeah, since then, probably Which, people have made videos. We should, but. Like, laparoscopy is actually a general term for that type of surgery, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, um, to fix a hernia, I think my dad had a laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just going in a small hole. Right. Right. And they're using camera to is. see. So, unlike the HSG, which is an x ray, or unlike an ultrasound, which is using uh, sound waves. Right. Um, This is actually using a camera so it can see exactly what's happening, your uterus, your tubes, your. And it. it, Yeah. yeah, Checking for a lot of the same things, right? Polyps, tumors, scar tissue. Yes. Septates. On the outside. outside. um, They said that they would do the HSG. they would shoot the dye through my uterus while they were in there. Okay. Is what they said. But I don't know if they ended up doing that because they could tell my tubes mm-hmm. were not good. But um, you were, yeah, they do this type of surgery for all kinds of things. And you were sedated. You were put under for the surgery. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. General yeah. anesthesia. anesthesia. Let's make that distinction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the kind of anesthesia where they put a tube down your throat and you're out for like two hours and then you have to rest for days afterwards and they give you the pain meds and all that how was your recovery uh it was so long ago i don't even i say in the video (laughs) like i don't want to say it was like i don't want to say something Mm -hmm. and then people could look in the video and be like she was lying (laughs) i don't like at this point i don't really remember it was I think it was okay because I was on pain mm-hmm. meds and then I would overdo it. Yeah. And then I think I was pretty good after two weeks. Okay. Do you still have scars? But uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't really notice them now. I don't even look at them now. They're battle wounds. All healed and one's in my belly button, so you can't even oh, see it. Yeah. And then there's two on the side which have really faded, so. Um, I'm also, I'm very pale, so it's like, they just blend in. <laughs> I could see if you were tan, like if you tanned, mm-hmm. then I could see there being a color difference, maybe. Sure. Yeah. You know, like when you get a tan, right. your scars show right. more. But Scars are cool. Um, yeah. And, well, <laughs> yeah. I have a C-section scar too, so. Yeah. Compared to that. <laughs> These are Tiny. Like nothing. Yeah. So what's and the yeah. difference between laparoscopy and hysteroscopy? So a hysteroscopy, um, I also have a video about that on YouTube. They use the speculum and like hold things open and then they go in through your cervix with a catheter and a camera and they look in your uterus. They're looking for things like polyps. Like I had polyps and they just removed them while they were in there. And they will kind of, they might do an endo scratch or an endo biopsy while they're in there for a hysteroscopy. Um, Last time I ended up taking Tylenol beforehand and they ended up giving me something like... Percocet, maybe? <laughs> I can't remember, but it helped, or maybe it was Valium. I can't remember. But it also had Tylenol in it, so I was like, oh no. But the second hysteroscopy I had was much better than the first because I didn't have any polyps that they removed. Oh, okay. Because you're not under for a hysteroscopy? And I wasn't. Sometimes they put people under uh, twilight sure. anesthesia. Mm-hmm. But being awake, it can hurt. Yeah. The second time didn't. Like, the second time was not bad at all. And it was over When you quick. didn't have the endo biopsy. Or they didn't remove anything. Yeah. They kind of scratched things up while they were mm-hmm. in there, which is an endo scratch, which um, has been shown to make your chances of implantation higher. Yeah. 
before doing IVF. I think of um, it like uh, like you're like it's trying to instead of like a smooth surface, it's like trying to make it like Velcro so it'll stick. <laughs> yeah, or like when you get your nails done, they yes. kind of rough. Like I if you get it. acrylic nails, right. they they rough it up it so the acrylic will stick better to your right. nails. It's it's kind of like that, right. um, and <laughs> that's what my current well. I guess I'm I'm done with them now, but my clinic that I like that they did hysteroscopy, and at my old clinic that I didn't really like, they did saline sonogram, mm-hmm. which is the next test we're going to talk about. Which is uh, they do a sonogram while they put saline in your uterus. Do you know how much they put in? Uh, based on what came out, <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> it seemed they just kept dumping water and it just kept coming out. <laughs> I don't yeah, know for sure. But this is like a hysteroscopy in a way, except they're using a sonogram. Instead of a camera. But it's looking at yes, the inside of the uterus. But from a uh, sonogram view. So you don't get an actual look. Right of what's going on in there. It's just a sonogram, so. Right. Not yeah. quite as clear of a picture probably than a hysteroscopy, but it's also probably a little less uncomfortable, I would guess. I don't know for sure because I've only yeah. had the saline sono. The saline sono is not too bad, would you say? No, I don't think, no. I would say of all the tests I had done, it was the easiest one for sure. It's more just like, it's, it's uncomfortable. uncomfortable. But it's not bad. And my (laughs) story with the saline sano is uh, the moral of my story that I'll share with all of you is don't wear white. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was summertime and I had these like cute white jeans (laughs) and I went to the saline sano. Wait, it wasn't... I don't remember when it was, but it was, I was wearing white is all I know and, or light colored. Was it after Labor Day? (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't want to tell you guys I was wearing white after Labor Day. I broke all the rules. I'm good at that. (laughs) But I, so they do the test and during the test, there's, they, so they're, they've got the transducer in there and as they're doing it, at least for me, they just kept dumping saline in while they were looking around because it keeps coming out you know Hmm, and um and then when it was done she was like okay you might have a little trickle whatever like okay (laughs) so nothing happened right away but so I stood up and I got dressed I put you know got everything back on and I'm like okay and I'm walking out of the office and like I'm walking down the, hus- the hall of the hospital and this huge gush, I'm talking huge gush of saline just came out and it was totally like Billy Madison, you peed your pants. Like, and I, and I was, I was nowhere near my car, like had to walk through this very busy hospital with this enormous wet spot on my white pants. Oh, no. Like I said, Niagara Falls in my pants. That's what it was like. Did they give you a pad? I don't remember. They had pads in every room all the time. Usually, yeah. So I'm sure it was there. But I, like I said. It was up to you. Yeah, and I got up and nothing happened. So I'm like, oh, I'm probably fine. So it was a delayed reaction (laughs) from my uterus. I remember you saying it was like um, Niagara Falls in your pants. That's what it felt like. That's, I remember you saying that, and I was in the saline sonogram, and I'm like, oh no, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it did. I don't remember. Yeah. But. So, word to the wise out there if you're having a saline sono, or really any of these tests that we're talking about, put a pad on to leave. Or just wear depends. Yeah. <laughs> no, you probably don't need to wear that much no. protection. But, but you should pr- expect some discharge. <laughs> I mean, like, I remember afterwards I was crampy. Yeah, I was too. Because your uterus is just like, what the hell did you do to me? Like, what Mm -hmm. is going on? Yeah. Definitely. Poor uterus. Put it through the ringer. 
But and that's the kind of thing you want to hope for the you want to expect the worst, but hope for the best. Like some people don't have any weird waterfalls in their pants like me, but you yeah, and they're, and they're fine. fine. And then you're like, awesome. I'm clean and dry. <laughs> <laughs> then sometimes sometimes you're not. You're not. <laughs> um, this last test is AMH level, which is anti-Mullerian hormone. And they can test that any time during your cycle. I'm pretty sure because it's your resting follicle count. Mm-hmm. Just a blood test. So they're just, it's just a blood test. And they're just testing how much of this anti-Mullerian hormone your follicles are putting off. Right. So they're just, they're seeing how many follicles you have left on your ovaries. Yeah. It's often... That makes sense. Combined with an antral follicle count, an AFC, which is done with an ultrasound and it's checking like the number of small follicles within both ovaries. Which they want to do that one, I think, at day three, right? Because they don't want to have your main follicle that's growing. Yeah, I think they would want it when the cycle is quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, if you're on birth control, they would do, they can do it any time. Yeah, so... But you're probably only going to be on birth control if you're doing IVF. Right. <laughs> if you're trying to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and they've already probably done this test on you, so you're most likely not going to be on birth control for this test. But it... And this is a test that they use in part with other tests to diagnose PCOS. Yeah, it, it can like tell you the, a lot actually, your AMH levels. Yeah, like I think usually the range, they like a three <laughs> is what I think. Okay. Um, above five is PCOS level. My, my score or whatever was a 5.9 and then under a certain point is uh, diminished ovarian reserve. So under, it depends on the test too, because they'll give you ranges. Like it could be a one is looking like diminished ovarian reserve. But I've had friends who've had doctors tell them that a 2.4 is diminished ovarian reserve, which I don't, I've, I don't know. According to the internet, (laughs) that's, not necessarily a bad According number. to Dr. Google. Yeah. So. And that um, not only can give you some insight into the quality sometimes of your eggs, but also how you might possibly respond to follicle stimulating hormones like ahead of IVF. Yes. So. That's, a, that's one of the big reasons they have you do these blood tests that test your... Um, LH or FSH because Mm -hmm. FSH they want it to be a lower number I think right well because higher FSH shows a lower ovarian reserve yeah that's what I was saying earlier that you see higher levels of of F or excuse me the opposite in women with PCOS and it can it's just like another indicator like another piece of information for the doctor to put your puzzle together yeah they need all this information before they give you any meds because they don't want to understim you (laughs) yeah they don't want to understim you or overstim let's try this both of those are not good like they want the perfect amount of eggs to come from your body. Exactly. The, or when you're doing an IUI, they don't want you to have too many eggs because you'll end up like John and Kate plus eight. <laughs> did you know that they did not do IVF? And like the media says they did IVF and got six kids. No, I didn't know they didn't do IVF. They did IUI and the doctor canceled it and said, do not have sex. And they oh, had sex. Really? And got pregnant with six kids. I did not know that. Yeah. They overstimped. She was overstimped like crazy. That's cr- that's crazy. And see, that's like the science is getting so much better now that they really try to avoid that with people. 
And they canceled her cycle. Well, uh, yeah. Like they said, don't do this. And then they But did I've it heard of doctors doing that all the time, Kate. canceling people's cycle because they they're that's the responsible choice if you're doing an IUI, like mm-hmm. you said. And maybe it's your first time and they don't know exactly how you're gonna respond. And if you over respond, that's the responsible thing to do to say we need to cancel this. Or on the flip side, it's responsible to say, we didn't give you enough and this egg retrieval is not going to be as good as I think it could be if we do this again and change your protocol. I mean, that's why they do that sometimes because they're trying to get the best outcome for you. That's Long run, it's better for you because then you don't have to go through an egg retrieval if you don't have enough eggs. Right. Especially if you're going to have to do it over again. I mean, I know it sucks to have a cycle canceled and then pay for that again. Like that sucks. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. (laughs) But if you're going to end up doing it again anyway, wouldn't you rather avoid the headache and heartache of going through an IUI or or an egg retrieval and fertilization and the whole thing just to end up with right back where you started? Yeah, you just don't, you don't know. There's um, still so much that's not known. That is, there's so much well, they still don't know. So, yeah, and even sometimes um, low responders or slow responders have um, good outcomes. Mm-hmm. If they get like three eggs and they all fertilize. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew this one girl who ha- ended up having twins out of three eggs retrieved. Yeah, it is 100% quality over quantity for sure so oh yeah you hear these stories like myself i got 19 eggs just because you have a ton of eggs doesn't mean that you're going to end up with a bunch of quality embryos so uh, you know it's just a lot more complicated than that and you want the quality over the quantity yeah or you could end up with a lot of quality embryos and have (laughs) nine embryos like abby (laughs) Of Abby TTC dreamed right. <coughs> Sorry. No problem. So do you have any um, any tips for any of these tests? I feel like they all <laughs> they they all have some things that we all hate, like speculums mm-hmm. and catheters and these things that are really uncomfortable. Right. Well, I don't know if other people do this, but do you like give yourself a pep talk when you're trying to calm down? You're like, it'll be over soon. Oh, sure. Yeah. <sighs> Breathe. I tell myself if I'm nervous about something, like if I'm going to shoot a wedding, I'm usually nervous before that. I'm like, imagine what it will be like after the wedding and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not in this day forever. And these things don't last very long, like five right. minutes. None of them last very long. So I did tell myself that over and over again. Even if it's really painful, it's not going to last very long. But no. And you can do pain for five minutes. You can. You can do it. But there are other ways like take a Valium. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If yeah, ask for a Valium if your doctor will give it to you. There is no shame. No shame in I love Valium. Me too. Man, I took it every chance I got. Can I just have one for the road? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, definitely take that. If they will give it to you before, say, a hysteroscopy, Mm -hmm. take it. Take the drugs. And don't be afraid to ask for it. If you are someone who's especially, you know, nervous or jumpy about it, because I don't think my doctor actually just offered it. So, but I know not every doctor does. It is a controlled substance and they're all not just like handing out Valium like it's candy. But I don't think it hurts to ask. Awesome. That would be awesome. Valium candy. Um, but <laughs> I feel like there's a marketing idea there. But you, it doesn't hurt <laughs> to ask. I mean, all they can say is no. Right. So, and I'll say this. You need to be as relaxed as possible. (laughs) And I know that's like, trust me, easier, way easier said than done. Because, and I'm one of those. Well, your uterus needs to be relaxed. Everything needs to be as relaxed as possible. Your legs, your hot dog warmer. I feel like 
my my old hot dog warmer, like when I get in there for this kind of stuff, it's like they need the jaws of life to get that thing open. I just coil up like, ugh, I hate it. Actually, I think before the hysteroscopy, they gave me something that's along the lines of a muscle relaxer type thing. To help with that. Mm-hmm. Because it does help to have your uterus not... It does cramp up and you're and it helps with the things going up the vagina if it's relaxed if those muscles are relaxed like it makes the speculum and the catheter and everything is less uncomfortable if you're relaxed so whatever you whatever works for you to relax that's what you need and Mm -hmm. to your point about imagining what it's like after I often would play a game with myself where I would definitely like treat yourself like I would be like okay when I get through this HSG I'm gonna go get a mani-pedi or I'm gonna go buy a new scarf (laughs) lots of retail therapy after my fertility treatments (laughs) maybe get some ice cream right it's just the idea of having something positive and happy to look forward to get a puppy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> After every fertility treatment, get a puppy. See what happens. <laughs> I have a lot of dogs. <laughs> or a cat. Or a cat. Or a bird. Maybe a hedgehog. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Yes. <laughs> um, so if anyone else has any other tips that they can offer the listeners, email us or send us a note somehow. Tips for any of those tests. And um, yeah, so for our out of the box segment today, I have an email, Sarah, that I want. <laughs> okay. This was directed to you. So it's from an anonymous person. They did not want me to share their name, so I won't. And she just says, I don't even know nope, who it is. You don't. Like, I, I don't even see nope. the emails, so it's very anonymous <laughs> to me. You can't even accidentally slip. <laughs> nope. Uh, okay, so it's very short. She just says, hey, Sarah, you mentioned that you met your husband playing beer pong. So did I. Cool. <laughs> that is cool. And then she says, now that you're old enough to drink legally, what is your favorite cocktail? Um, like... If it's like a split, if I don't have time to really think about it, I will usually go with a gin and tonic. Oh, good choice. But if I'm at a restaurant and there's a menu, I'll usually go with like a tiramisu martini. Ooh, what is that? Have you ever had tiramisu Mm -hmm. cake? It's like that. (laughs) (laughs) How do they make it taste like like tiramisu? Infused vodka and espresso. Oh, that's pretty much what it is: chocolate espresso with vodka and a vodka martini. Yes, with vodka. Yes, like that's what I would usually get when I go out for my birthday at this seafood type restaurant. Nice, but or you know wine. But a gin and tonic is solid. But yeah, the, the G&T the is G&T. my usual like hard liquor yeah. type drink. It's and we yeah, we use Hendrix. That's gin, a good usually. gin. My bill is like, I mean, I've never met anyone who likes gin as much as my husband. Really? Oh, yeah. He loves gin. Yeah. He really likes gin. And it's like I mean, I love it way more than vodka, but it's an acquired taste. Like not everybody yeah. But my go-to cocktail, I'm going to share even though she didn't ask me. <laughs> yeah, what's your go-to my, cocktail? I was going to ask My go-to you. is definitely a bourbon old-fashioned. I've never had that. Well, you are missing out. So in about I'll have six to try months, you need to try it. And right before I got pregnant, I started drinking margaritas. Mm, I don't drink tequila. Because I always... I always thought I was allergic to tequila, and I, I seem to like get over the tequila <laughs> allergy somewhat recently. I'm allergic to tequila in the sense that it makes me um, crazy and puke a lot. 
Oh, it makes me turn red and get itchy and oh, spotty. Oh, yeah, see, that sounds like an actual allergy. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you just have to drink through it. <laughs> just power through. I feel like most people, <laughs> if they have a bad drinking story, it often involves tequila. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't drink tequila in large no, amounts. It, it is a dangerous substance. But- you like wine, oh, don't of you? What's your favorite wine? I don't know. Uh, I don't. I really haven't met one I don't like. <laughs> I mean, I prefer red over white, and I oh. prefer the spicier ones like Chianti or Shiraz or something like that. Yeah. My go-to wine is Seven Daughters Moscato. Oh, she knows the exact name. It's yes, it's a white yeah. wine and. I really like, um, I actually like uh, sparkling wine. But you like the sweet stuff. It's kind of, it's kind of yeah. bubbly. That's yeah, why I like kind it. of like, sort of like champagne, but not champagne's cousin. Yeah. yeah. Moscatos are great in the summer, like probably out on, oh, yeah. on your deck with a little glass of Moscato. Yeah. Now I want to go to a winery. That show we but should. Oh, I mean, I can go to a winery. One of these days, have drink. after you're pregnant, an infertile mafia meetup at a winery. <laughs> That'd be so fun. I bet there's quite a few people around the Chicago area. Oh yeah, that that are part of the mafia. Yeah, yeah. The whole Midwest. We can meet somewhere in the middle. Like, are there wineries in like Kansas? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's wineries. That's everywhere. true. That's true. I, I would do a, a winery or a brewery. I, you know, I don't discriminate. Yeah, I don't discriminate. <laughs> Either or. I could go to Bush. Or wait, Budweiser. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't go to the Budweiser factory. We can do way better than Why? that. Why? Because it's Budweiser. If you're going to drink beer, That's drink I usually, good beer, Sarah. Well... If I drink beer, I usually drink Bud Light or Stella Oh, we have some work to do. I'll work on her, everybody. <laughs> or a sour beer. Okay, now you're getting into a little... Yeah, we'll work on it. We'll work on you, Sarah. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so to wrap it up, everybody, join our closed Facebook group, The Infertile Mafia. Follow us on Instagram, at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to hear lots more talks about hot dog warmers. <laughs> <laughs> and write us a review or give us a rating. It's the best way to get the word out about this podcast. In our next episode, we're going to dive into one of the most common infertility diagnoses in women. One that is near and dear to my heart. Where, where are my PCOS sisters at? <laughs> PCOS, coming at you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye. Bye.